Well, aloha, and welcome back to Fully Equipped. I'm Jonathan Wall, joined as always by my brothers in gear, Andrew Tursky from Golf.com and Chris McCormick from TrueSpec. What's going on, guys? Welcome, welcome back. back. Yeah, aloha. Still on island time a little bit, or at least uh, at least one of my kids was. He slept 14 hours after we uh, after we returned. It's a five hour time difference between uh, between Texas and, and Hawaii. But ha- had a good had a good break. Listen to the pod while I was on vacation, and uh, y'all y'all did a great job. I, I was terrified that Mark was going to take my job, but I think he did an okay <laughs> job. Probably 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 not good enough to steal it, but. Good to be back. Batteries recharged. And as usual, we've got a lot going on. But before we get into this week's tour topics, I want to share a message from our official sponsor, Fairway Jockey. From stock to custom shafts, club grips, and more, Fairway Jockey is the destination for the golfer that wants an advantage. Visit fairwayjockey.com for all that and more. And with that, Let's get to this week's tour topics. A lot going on. And I'm trying to be quick and efficient with this week's episode because Tursky, unfortunately people can't see this, dude is sitting in his car on the side of the road in Charlotte doing it for the pod. I do appreciate it. Hard on the line for the uh, for the squad. I'm at Las Pupusas Deli parking lot right next to a Days Inn, <laughs> right next to the Charlotte airport. I heard it's got people good Yelp reviews. By. You should... You should you should pop in for some food. I have no idea what kind of what kind of food do I mean? Do we want to guess what kind of food do they make? I mean, is it I don't just think like they your... make anything because I'm pretty sure it's out of business and it's closed. So, <laughs> well, there you go. The Yelp review is great, but it might be it might be a few years old. <laughs> oh my god! There goodness. was a there well, was a guy that came out because I'm just sitting in the parking lot. He's like, "Nope, we're closed. We're closed." I was like, "Don't worry about it. I know we're good. <laughs> I'm good, man. We're good. I'm good. We're I'm good. Going, I'm going in." Just yeah, recording just, just the golf to... equipment podcast here. See if he wants to come on and do and do an ad read for us. <laughs> we already covered it. You already did it live. It was beautiful. We already well did done. it live. We're, we're we're good. Unfortunately, I, I already did that one. But let's start off with with Charlotte. Tursky was at Quail Hall this week. Um, we we lost today due to all the rain on on Tuesday in the area. But there was a lot going on today. Tursky, kind of give us the uh, the quick rundown of what you saw from the gear side. A lot of equipment popping off. First of all, Bryson's out there testing prototypes as usual. He is the scientist. Standard. All he does is experiment with equipment. Um, he was working on a little little fairway wood with um, shortened up rails in front to get that spin down. Not sure if it's going to go in play or not. He was also testing a million drivers as expected. So that's our weekly Bryson news. Um, Roy McElroy's making a little iron switch it looks like. Uh, me and Jay Wall were actually trying to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, so he played the P730s at the Masters, correct? We're on the same page there. We are. And I look in his bag today, Roars Protos. So he's back in the Roars Protos from a couple years ago. Um, 20, 2018. 2019 was the was the year, the beginning of the year at Bay Hill. I did go back. I'm not just pulling this off the top of my head. Um, 2019 at Bay Hill was when he officially put the P730s with the with the RM stamp on the head in the bag. Um, prior to that, it was 2018. Um, I think I think I shot his stuff. I posted a photo on on Instagram. Uh, Tour Championship 
was was Roar's Proto. I mean, here's the thing. Tour pros get all the the clubs that they want. The bigger the name, the the you know the greater lengths that then a manufacturer is going to go to to make sure you you get what you want. Um, you know, we we had the interesting part about the the proto version is it was it was a precursor to to P seven thirty. Uh, Rose had him, DJ had him, Rory was the first one to get him. All the way back when he when he initially signed that that deal with with TaylorMade in, in 2017. Um, but, you know, and I, I'd heard, I never really got a straight answer, but I heard that there were some custom customizations done to the proto versions for Tour Pros. Um, but I, I do wonder if if there is a difference between the P730 and the Roars Proto, or if is, is it just merely good vibes with the proto version and that's why I was going back because we know Rory's been on a little bit of the struggle bus recently. Listen, if I was struggling a little bit and I had an iron called the Tursky Proto, I would be going right back to that Tursky Proto. Like, don't you already have some Tursky Protos? You're big time. What's that? I said, don't you already have some Tursky Protos? You're big time. No, I have, I have retail products with a stamping with a T stamping on them. Way different, way different than right. an iron designed for me. He's he's prototyping a new eight wood. Oh my god! That's right. That's right. Eight eight and a half wood, maybe an eleven and a half wood. Uh, I know. I know. He's he's loving that eleven wood after after testing. Um, I mean, it it is it is kind of weird though because the you look at the irons and they look so they look so similar. But um, we'll see if we get any sort of confirmation from from TaylorMade. I reached out trying to get a, a few more details on if there are any differences, but. Part of me just wonders if it's just, just up in up in the head. Maybe just. Anyway, we'll see. What else we got? Uh, Jason Day in some free agent news. Uh, it looks like he's switching to a, a sick uh, mallet prototype. Um, sick. All black, blacked out. He's got a black LAGP shaft in there. That's pretty cool. That is cool, and it's not a putter that you you see all that often. I mean. The, those in the know, you connect sick with Bryson, and so that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. But we we've seen a few other guys use use sick putters over the the last year. But you know Bryson was the guy that that put him on the map. Um, I know they've been working closely with with Cobra now that they've and they officially announced that they've got a partnership now with Cobra. So interested to see what kind of comes from that, but. Day in a sick putter. Yep, yeah. and he's got some JPX 921 um, irons in the bag as well. So he's Mizuno'd up, and uh, he's got artisan wedges in the bag. So Nice. Chris, do you know a lot about sick? Know a lot uh, about them? Or Chris, I was asking Chris if he knows a lot about sick. Uh, what or do you want to know? Well, I mean, just have have you tested? I have I haven't tested the putter. Um, it's you know I've heard a lot of good things about the descending loft technology, and and the benefits behind it. But but I haven't done a lot of a lot of testing with it. Have you have you had a chance, or have you had any players go through testing with with that putter? That's you know, we probably have about the same information. I haven't had an opportunity to do much with it personally, yeah. and what I know about it is essentially what I've been told by some of the reps and the information that's available online. I haven't had an opportunity to, to do much with it myself. Haven't had 
any of my uh, any of my tour guys run around with it and do much. Yeah, it's so uh, I was going to ask you the same question about the uh, <laughs> that that LAGP uh, shaft that we're all of a sudden seeing pop up all over the place with putters. <clears throat> it's uh, it's certainly it's certainly one of those products where we we've talked about it before on the pod. It doesn't take much for for other pros to start testing, you know, multi material shafts. I I keep, kept saying it's 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 gonna become more more commonplace out on tour, and we're we're starting to see some other tour pros going that direction. So there um, are so many multi material shafts out there, whether it's graphite or half graphite, half steel. Like you so like rarely even see all steel anymore. It's like you look on on the green on the on the putting green out there any tour event you know you're seeing so much more and it just goes to show you how important the shaft is even with putting okay so let me ask you guys this look into look into your to your crystal balls in a year what percentage of tour pros are using multi-material in their putter whether it's stroke lab or legp or or you know i know kbs came out with a version with a um with a with a significantly tapered tip how what percentage are we are we seeing using something different than a traditional uh stepped or stepless steel shaft what are we saying is the actual percentage right now like what do you think it is right now that's what i'm curious Uh, about i'd probably say five percent Okay, because I was thinking honestly more like twelve percent right now, and I think it's going to okay. go up to like thirty. I would say a I was, third. Yeah, I would say I was going to say probably somewhere in the twenty to twenty-five percent range by by this time next year. I would say and it like eighty percent will have tested it at least. Hey, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and if you start seeing guys that don't necessarily have a good stat with strokes gain putting all of a sudden starting to gain strokes on the field using these different types of materials in their shaft could see even a bigger incline with it Bene- benefits chris of using multi-material in, in your putter shaft for those that maybe aren't f- quite familiar with with the technology and the design i i think we were kind of talking about it last week i mean you're you're looking essentially for feel feedback reducing twisting stabilizing the head I mean, creating a more stable platform, even if you don't necessarily strike it consistently in the center of the face, reduction of deflection, so on and so forth. There's there's a variety of different benefits. And as we know, you have an opportunity to kind of fine tune feel and uh, just the profile of the shaft with with different composites and using that multi-material construction than you do with just a, a traditional rifle or T-step design shaft. We gotta we gotta talk about the biggie that you saw, Tursky. You managed to get your hands on a product. Some in hand photos. What'd you get? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think we've uh I think we've talked about these irons in the last like three podcasts, but finally got to put the ping I fifty nines in my hands. Um what what should I say about them? They look really good. The top lines look really good. They're definitely better player clubs, but the offset is definitely progressive throughout the set. So the yes. wedge, the wedge, I would say zero offset. I would say absolutely no offset. Really like looking at that. Then you get to the seven, six iron, significantly more offset. And then by the time you get to the three, now the top line is super thin, like blueprint thin. But then you get that, you know, quarter inch of offset 
um, that'll help people kind of turn it over a little bit. Um, I mean, they they look really good. I don't know what they're going to say they replace. I know uh, me and Jay Wall that was my question, and probably what, the I two tens, but. Well, and that's that. That's the weird thing is, is that you know when we first saw the photos, you know I I initially thought, well, it's been so long since they came out with like an eye blade replacement, right? Got gotta be gotta be an eye blade replacement, but eye blade didn't have the the weight screw in the toe, um, you know, and then that kind of that kind of threw me. But you're right, the the progressive offset is very much like like I two ten. Um, which has been a very popular iron. I mean, Lee Westwood plays it. Terrell Hatton plays that iron out on tour. It, it does have a tour following, even though I think some would say, you know, if you're a better player looking at the blade length, oh, you know, it's a longer blade length than the long irons, but it does get very compact in the mid and the short. And yeah. with that progressive offset, it's it's very playable. It's it's. I mean, I played those irons for a little while, and, and they were great. So it, it does bring up a, a great question, which is, okay, we've now seen the iron from address. It does not look like what I thought. I thought there would be less offset throughout so the set. Yeah. And so, okay, it probably isn't an eye blade replacement. I, I'm still sticking with, I think it's solid construction. I don't think that it's a hollow cavity like I-500. Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more confused now that I've seen the irons from all angles than I was before. I was pretty sure this was an eye blade replacement, minimal offset, and Tursky throws me for a loop. So I, I don't know quite where I'm going now. I, it, I'm i very curious to see where this one's going to fit in the lineup. I was with you. I, was, I, I thought there was going to be less offset in the long irons, honestly. Yep. But they're definitely thin, so they're better player-type clubs. So got to go with I-210 is my guess. I was I was hearing some rumbling that the the I series iron the I two ten replacement was going to be something coming potentially this fall, and that Ping has been looking for the I blade replacement for a while. And I would, after talking to a couple of the guys, I would venture to guess that this is an I blade replacement, and we'll see an additional I series iron come out later this year that's going to kind of eclipse that I two ten that's going to have a little bit more of a cavity back design, be a little bit more forgiving and kind of stay traditional to what we see with that. The I 200, the I 210, the I series that we're kind of accustomed to seeing. So I think yeah. this might be like Jay wall was saying the, the initial feel of eye blade replacement. So you're saying we're just getting hung up on the offset part. Yep. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Noted. It, but it, I mean, this and this is kind of the perfect segue into what we're going to talk about next. But you know, we have seen tour pros embrace um, the players' distance category. You know, this this is and it, maybe maybe not so much throughout the set, but players' distance irons kind of fill this role for for better players. Of um, still looks like a a you know traditional blade. Uh, maybe even like a, a smaller cavity back iron, but it's usually there's some tech involved, maybe a hotter face. Um, anyway, it's just maybe maybe a bit more offset, kind of like kind of like this this I fifty nine. But we have we have seen tour pros start to accept this technology, and one of them, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this in this week's wall to wall. 
is John Daly. Now, Daly doesn't play on the tour PGA Tour anymore. He plays on the PGA Tour Champions. Um, came really close uh, this past week at the insperity of, of, of winning out there. But it was interesting. He he would have won if he, if he did win. He would have won with a with a tour edge setup. I mean, very tour edge heavy. Now, tour edge, if you don't know, um, they you know they, they're one of those brands. I would would you say they're like more? I don't know. They're, they're they have a higher end price point. I should say that they have, they have the exotics, which I feel like is on the higher end. But they just don't get as much play out on the PGA Tour. Now, if you go to the PGA Tour Champions, a lot of guys play exotics and i mean i i've talked to a ton of amateur golfers who swear by their fairway woods you know that's one of the clubs that you see a ton of of pros using from the tour edge line daily used a c721 driver an exs pro fairway and the one that kind of ties into the player's distance the exotic c721 in the five through nine so he's using these irons a player's distance iron which is what the the c721 is um, he's using it throughout the set. Now, this is a hollow body construction with a military grade miraging steel L cup face. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of you know marketing lingo. But basically, what I'm saying is that th- these irons have a hotter, more forgiving face, and Daly's using them throughout the bag. Uh, you know, Daly's not short on distance, but I think this goes to show you that even even a guy like Daly can benefit from this tech. The C721 looks like a blade. Um, like we've seen from a lot of companies, but it, it has a lot of that forgiveness in tech. And I think, again, it's just a reminder that, you know, you can, you can play these irons throughout the bag. A lot of, a lot of companies now do a full set and that's kind of how they're intended to be played. You know, sometimes they have stronger lofts. Um, sometimes they may be a bit more forgiving than, uh, than even like a game improvement iron that has a larger profile. So got you know credit to the manufacturers for everything for everything they've been able to do because they're able to pack in a ton of technology and forgiveness into a smaller profile and it still fits you know uh you know let's say a you know eight to ten handicap that's absolutely i agree with that 100 percent. that's we see the same kind of thing with tailor-made 790 callaway apex irons yeah forge tech from cobra yeah we can keep going and it's there's there's a, a representation of every iron category played on some major tour it's uh, i had an experience with billy mayfair uh several years ago that uh, he came to see me and uh, billy's a good ball striker and the uh the biggest hurdle he had was was his putting but good ball striker and we ended up landing on if you guys remember the ping g max irons and max wow g max so this thing is about as forgiving of an iron as ping has ever made and he starts hitting this and he's looking at it to potentially put as a uh, couple of long iron replacements and he's hitting it and he's hitting it and he's hitting it and uh he he basically made the determination he goes i can hit this thing anywhere and it just goes high and straight and by the time we got done he goes you know let let's just get a full set of the g max and and just be done with it and i'm looking at him and i'm going billy are you are you sure that's the direction you want to go and he goes yeah i don't have to think about it all i have to do is get the face on the ball and it's going to go where i want it to go and i'm going that's simplistic easy i love it let's do it and i don't know how long he kept him in play for but at the end of the day that's what he landed on and he was happy with it 
Uh, I wish more amateurs had that mentality. Yeah, I was about to say, if, if, if a pro's thinking that way, a guy who consistently finds the center of the face, why can't more amateurs have have that mindset? I know I definitely don't. I'm not trying to, to, to bag on others when I'm the same way. Um, I've At least I've, I feel like I've gotten a little bit better. I've started to go to a little bit more forgiving irons over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's, again, the, the player's distance category, if you're not quite ready to go from your, you know, blades or a smaller cavity back, most, I would say more smaller cavity back, something with still a bit more forgiveness. If you're not ready to go to like a full blown game improvement iron, player's distance is the way to go. I have so many friends that play these irons and they love them because it doesn't look like they're playing a shovel and they still kind of feel like they're playing a blade that they maybe played, you know, 10 years ago when they were playing all the time and they were a good ball striker. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's one of those irons that looks good, feels good. And you still get the distance. So players distance, it's not just for the amateurs. You got John Daly playing them. Um, Thanks for I holding that topic pull- down guys. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Cause uh, we well, had some, was- we had some police action at the Las Pupusas <laughs> Deli. I was a little distracted <laughs> over here. You guys were killing it. I was like, all right, I'll just stick. There's a dude walking behind Tursky's car right now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I told I told you. I told you it's a little sketch right now. A little little sketchy around here. We're, we're gonna we're gonna keep keep it tight the rest of the way on this pod. Uh, I did want to point out we're not gonna do a mailbag this week, but one of the things that uh, I did find interesting we had a mailbag that I did for the website a little over a week ago, and it blew up on the website and I did want to discuss it. We we've talked about it before on the pod, but again, it's, it's, it bears repeating. Had a quit, had a question that came in from, from a beginner golfer said he recently started playing the game, had 11 clubs in the bag. He knows that the max is 14. He's got driver, three wood, five wood, five through nine pitch and lob and a putter. And wondering if he needs to make any adjustments and it it felt like a good opportunity to talk about a club that I will and I'm not the only one a couple of guys that I would say are are uh, two of the biggest names in the equipment industry Mr. Bob Vokey and Mr. Roger Cleveland agree with me I've had I've had some pretty long discussions with both of them on this topic but what of those clubs if you were going to look at that setup for for a beginner golfer, which club are you saying has got to go right away? I've got my vote. Lob wedge, right? I mean, it's it's there. No no beginner golfer should have a lob wedge in the bag. I, I th- there's there's no possible way. It's it's the one club for me. If you're looking at if you're looking at a setup like that, you know, pretty traditional through the bag. But if you go pitch to lob, you know. One, that's a huge, that's a huge loft gap. You don't, you don't need that. And you should be going the other direction. Get rid of the lob wedge, go to a sand wedge, heck, even a gap wedge, something that you can play along the ground, learn to hit pitches and chips and take, take the lob wedge out. It's, it's the one club where, you know, even, even I don't carry a traditional lob wedge. I carry a 58. That's what Roger Cleveland, last last time I talked to him, that's what he said. He says he thinks everyone should get a 58. Forget the 60. And you I think that's great 60. advice. I mean, you you honestly get yourself into into some trouble with the 60. Um, you almost make more doubles that way. You know, just get the ball out on the green, take like 12 feet past the hole instead of trying to hit some cute flop shot that you, that you end up chunking or sculling. Um, 
also the, when that's you posed the, the question, my mind actually first went to uh, what club Shout do you not think wood. beginners should have? I almost think driver. I mean, I always wow. encourage I always encourage beginners take something that's reliable off the tee, and with the driver, it's like it's like the lob wedge. You get yourself into a lot of trouble, and you cost yourself a lot of strokes. That's a contrarian pick, but I do like it because it's a hot take. If you but. it, but it's but it's a but it's a good take. If you if you don't know how to control the driver, but you can control a, a three wood off the tee, and you're hitting fairways on a regular basis, using something. I mean, or even I've even talked to guys about like hitting a like a five iron off the tee. Just just keep it in play. Um, yep. especially when you're, when you're a beginner golfer, you know, that's way more important than, than hitting the long, you know, long and straight that's going to come, but learn how to, the swing mechanics and, and how to deliver the club to the ball. And you're, I, I agree with you, Turski. you know, the longer you get in the clubs, especially when you're talking about a driver, 45, 45 and a half, it's tough for a lot of beginner golfers to square that club up at impact. That's why so many of them are just slicing it off the planet. It's, the longest club in the bag which which means that you're going to have the toughest time squaring that guy up the same way that you're gonna okay hold up what what are you smiling about over here turski is it what's going on now i need an update this guy's just dancing man he's just dancing (laughs) (laughs) oh man he doesn't have headphones man he's just providing his own music in his head it's great oh that's great (laughs) music in his head you are you're in a very interesting area of town but but no it it is it's it's a tough club to square up the same way that you have to have really good hands to be able to manipulate a lob wedge a traditional lob wedge a sixty um, takes so to, much to practice it, too and a lot of amateurs aren't yes. going to put in that practice to get really really familiar right. with the sixty and you can't you can't hit you can't hit these mega flops like Phil Mickelson just overnight like that takes a lot of practice and when you get around the green you're not. I mean, for a beginner golfer, you're not trying to get the ball in the air. You want to keep it, you know, there's less trouble along the ground. And that's what Bob Bokey's always said to me is you're, you're going to get in far less trouble keeping it lower to the ground, whether you're using Texas wedge and going with putter from off the green or using a, a 52 or a 54, or even a 56, keep it, keep it down. And you're going to have, you're going to save yourself some shots on the golf course. Anyway, that's my PSA. If you are if you're a beginner and you listen to this podcast, even if you're uh, you know 20, unless you're out there just banging balls trying to lower your handicap, this is a reminder: don't carry a lob wedge. It's not worth and it. And I would I would add my two cents that if you're on the fence with fairway woods, put a five wood in the bag before a three wood. Love that. Amen. For sure. More loft. I, yeah. Yep. Take the launch. Take the spin. Eleven wood, baby. 11 wood. You know what team I'm on. Team 11 wood. Got my vote. Gonna, uh, there, there's another shirt idea that uh, that the the good professor should uh, <laughs> 11 wood. That's 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 a shirt that I want. I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get that one. We've we've got all kinds of shirt ideas now. So team 11 wood is is coming in hot now. Uh, <laughs> as soon as Tursky right. gets done with that that proto eight wood, I want one of those too. Yeah, the definitely I want the proto eight wood as well. Proto Ocho, right. I think we're calling it. <laughs> I love it. Proto Ocho. That needs okay. to be a thing. <laughs> and, and on that note, let's 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 wrap it. Um we get me out of this parking inter- lot, Jay Wall. Come on. We've got, we've got a good interview this week. <laughs> this, this 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 pod is going off the rails quickly this week. 
Um, I'm gonna blame it. I'm gonna blame it on Turski, but it's it's actually it's, it's highly uh, highly comical. But uh, Chris and Turski, you guys had a chance to talk to a pretty well known tour pro recently. Who who we got as an interview this week? We got so this Aaron Baddeley. Yeah, I got Bads on the pod. Nice, love it. So. Before we get to this week's inter- with, interview with Aaron Baddeley, who actually has joined the TrueSpec tour staff, uh, I'm sure you guys got into that a lot in the interview, uh, we want to do a brief message from our official sponsor, Fairway Jockey. From stock to custom shafts, club grips, and more, Fairway Jockey is the destination for the golfer that wants an advantage. Visit fairwayjockey.com forward slash fully equipped for 10% off our spotlight components. That's fairwayjockey.com. Aaron Baddeley, welcome to the fully equipped podcast. Um, I know you're at the Valspar championship right now down at uh, Copperhead. We, re- we really appreciate carving out some time to, uh, to talk to us, talk some gear. How you doing? Yeah, doing great. Uh, doing great. Great down here at the Valspar. Of course, is uh, in great shape. So it's going to be a good week. How's the game feeling? Game's feeling good. Really been trending in the right way and um, pretty excited for where the game's at and uh, looking for a strong finish. So we got some uh, some news. Um, I know we're going to go down a big rabbit hole of, of gear and golf equipment, and we'll definitely get into that. But uh, first off, congrats on you signing to, uh, to TrueSpec Golf. How did that relationship yeah. come about? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, just uh, – Rob, who used to work for us, um, I've known Pooch for a long time, and um, just uh, and then heard about TrueSpec. Um, Kevin Chappell spoke uh, extremely highly of TrueSpec, and something to uh, check out. And so coming down and taking a look at the place, I mean, it's hard not to fall in love with this place, you know. Um, just the the feel of the place is is great when you walk in. The vibe, it's, it's just relaxed. Um, the just the uh, the ability to try all the different different equipment, different setups, different shafts, different heads. I mean, the the, the possibilities are really endless to respect. Um, and then the precision and the knowledge of the guys who, uh, you know, you ask a question about different things, different shafts, they, they know what they're talking about. And then, like I said, the precision of like when they when, it, when a club gets built, it gets built exactly the way you want it to. Not not like, hey, can you fix this and change this? You know, it's it's done right. I know you've worked with Chris briefly on uh, on driver fitting. I was hearing some stories about uh, you testing a bunch of different heads, a, a bunch of different shafts. Um, what's that fitting process been like for you? And has it been kind of liberating to be able to test, you know, clubs from so many different brands instead of be being pigeonholed into into one? I think to me that that's that's the great thing is that you can um, by te- be able to test all the different. Um, equipment different heads different brands like you really can narrow down the best driver for you you know it's not just picking out uh, let's make this one work like when you step up on the first tee you know you're hitting the best club that's for you you know and like that only that breeds confidence you know and you get good feedback too with the with the club if the club's not um, going exactly the way you want like you know it's not the club that's the issue it's like Okay, what little, what what's something that's a little that's a little bit off in my swing or or my wedge play or whatever it is that's causing that shot. So you're not like questioning, man. I think this club's not right, you know. So it, it breeds a lot of confidence. 
how many different like just in the driver how many different heads have you uh have you gone through so far how many different shafts and uh what what have you been looking for uh we went through i don't know half dozen heads right chris at least more than that probably maybe eight we yeah we were at it for a couple hours we went through yeah man we were at it for a couple hours yeah we tested oh, uh we tested a little bit of everything and different uh, different head configurations, different shaft configurations, different lofts, uh, moving weight around. Different weights set up. Yeah, we had uh, we yeah. had our mad scientist Alex from the uh, from the build shop come out, and he okay. was he was lead taping stuff for us. And uh, yeah, we were so Bads is really in tune with the head weight that he likes to play and likes to keep the head weight for the driver right around that one ninety nine to two hundred gram range. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. And and very very in tune with weight during the swing, and so we were uh, we were taking some of the demo heads and moving weight around and putting it forward against the face and back, and then adding some perimeter weighting with lead tape, and uh, it was it was it was a fun experience to have an opportunity to work together and just kind of figure out who he is as a player, what he likes, and some of the preferences and things like that with shaft and head combinations. And we hit what would you say? We hit probably 15, 15, 16 different shafts and ended up in the uh, the AV raw blue that he was playing prior to uh, us getting together. And that one just seemed to give us the best feel, best feedback, most consistency. Yeah, exactly. And then, and the good thing, too, like you go through all these different shafts, you try these things, like, oh, that feels okay. And you're like, no, that's not it. And then if you end up on the shop that I was still at, then you know, that's the best shop for you, you know? So you're able to, like I said, bridge so much confidence and, um, it was great to be able to test all the different, different, different clubs and different setups. And, um, it was, it's a fun experience, but it's also a productive experience, you know? So it's, a, it's, a, it's great. With, uh, with equipment, especially making kind of custom changes and, and modifications, you're always trying to really get rid of that one mistake shot that that you hate seeing what's kind of your your typical miss that you're trying to work away from um through uh through equipment kind of helping out yeah i mean for me like i i'm, I'm a bit of an odd odd, odd one because i like loft on the driver but uh, you got to try and take the spin off so it's trying to get that combination of enough loft where the ball launches high enough and then but also um not having it spin too much so obviously loft equals spin, so it was a really uh, odd combination to try and like to dial in properly. And um, and for me, like I don't like the ball like leaking over to the right, like overcutting. I, I want the ball to to turn over pretty um, easily, where I can just swing my swing and and the ball goes where it should just fall to the left. Um, so that's a I don't like the the big slice stuff. Um, yeah, I hate that shot. Nobody likes that shot. Nobody likes that one. Yeah. No. Do no. you like do you like getting into the into the weeds with trackman numbers and looking at spin and spin loft and you know all the sort of different uh parameters or would you say you're more of a feel guy and you're trying to hit a certain shot and just looking for equipment that can get you in that wheelhouse? I'm a bit of both for sure. Um I, I definitely would like, like you want to see like you want to see the numbers um because if you hit, hit the driver, like, man, that feels good, but, oof, man, that's still, like, 3,100 spin. Like, you're not going to get what you need out of it into the breeze, you know. Um, and 
so you and then man this, this driver feels pretty good wait but it's only launching at eight and he's spinning it good that 2500 spin that's nice but the ball's not staying in the air so there's a few things where um and definitely i like to see uh, the track band numbers um which gives you the the feedback of what the driver's doing but also there's no no point having the numbers being perfect and then you get on the golf course and you feel like you can't hit it in the right spot exactly so, um so you need to be able to have that combination of like I can stand there, I can hit the shot I need, and the numbers still work out to be exactly exactly what I need it to be. When you uh, when you turned pro in in two thousand, it's been a while now. <laughs> Not to bring it up, but, yeah. Um, were you thinking about those kind of things? Were you thinking about spin rates and launch and kind of when did that all hit your radar? Um, when did you start moving into that mindset? I mean, it's really. I mean, back then we were using launch monitors. Um, you know, like you get, I remember going out to Titleist, um, up in, uh, up in the Northeast there, like Rhode Island way, um, and getting the dots on the side of the ball and, and would hit, hit, hit drivers. And that was, uh, 99 is when I first did that with, uh, launch monitors to, just to get a, an idea of what it was. And, uh, I remember using an EI 70 sharp back then and, um, that was one of the cases where the the numbers end up being good, but the I couldn't really hit it on the golf course all that well. And then so I, back then I switched back to the X100 um, dynamic gold driver shaft. You know, so I was, I was I was one of the later guys to use steel. Um, wow. So yeah, so back then with the driver for sure, but irons now you sort of dial the irons in more now. Cause we are, I mean, that's been the last last bunch of years is figuring out like making sure the spin on the irons is good making sure the ball's right stuff like that the last time i uh i saw your bag i, I took a couple photos um and one of my favorite wedges you got the the titleist 200 series wedge with the two uh two holes drilled out do you still have that in the bag or has that been switched out uh the one i got now has four holes yes yeah, now we, we're talking we actually yeah. just got that that wedge him okay and yeah. drilled it out for him to get the uh to get the weight to match the the 200 series that he had with the the holes in it that you saw okay so so what's the the model of wedge and kind of what was the idea behind drilling all those all those holes out it's just the 260 12 and i just need the right weight it was too it was too heavy um i think my swing weight's about d4 i think it is in the lob wedge um they really needed to get that the, the right the right weight, and um, I've used that. I've been pro for twenty something years now, and I probably used that particular head of wedge for seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years. So it's my it's like my it's the one I've used, and they don't make it anymore. So I know, I'm I know. In the market, I'm in the market for a new one. So I gotta find I gotta find something. You ever just search it on eBay looking for a fresh head? They don't have them. I've looked. Oh man, we're gonna have to post something on uh, Instagram. See if we could get someone to to hop in the DMs and and offer you one. Yeah, up. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get get Alex to make a three D printed version of it, and then yeah, exactly. Get to get to grinding on a block of steel for you. As as part of this yeah. process, have you tested like all the new wedge models, or you're like, no, I'm good with the sixty. Let's just not touch the sixty. Um, um I've done a couple with the. Callaway, done a couple with the Vokies. Um, but this is sort of like my home base where 
I used the Callaway for a couple, couple, a few months, and my short game wasn't where I felt it should have been. So I was like, let's go back to home base. I'd go back to my vogue. That way I know if I hit a bad shot, I know it's not the club. It's definitely me. Um, so my short game is back in a good spot. So um, it's a good time to test new ones. So that way I know if it doesn't, if it's not exactly right, then I know it's not me. It's the, it's the club. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I've tried it. I have tried some, but because I know they don't make it anymore. So I'm, I'm constantly sort of looking. So what do you have in the bag other than the other than the lob wedge? Um, do you have a whole mixed set of brands? Have you kind of fell into the same uh, brand? What do you have in the bag this week? Yeah, no, I'm all over the place. I got the Vokey Lobby, and then I got the uh, the Callaway Jaws 52, 56, mm-hmm. um, and then I got Ping Eye Blade um, three iron through um, pitching wedge, no four iron, and then got the sim five wood three wood the the number one the first sim five wood three wood and then i got the uh, callaway maverick um sub-zero triple diamond driver i know we got the av raw um in the driver right yeah the tenty uh, blue yeah what else what else are we doing for uh for shafts through the bag have you have you changed since you've switched brands or are you staying pretty consistent with your with your shafts so uh, i got the tenty blue in all the woods um, I use 65 in the driver and then I use 85 in the fairways and then got the KB, KBS um, X130s in the irons and then the dynamic gold S400s in the wedges in the gappy sandy lobby. I love how you call them the lobby and the gappy and the sandy. I think I'm going to steal that. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've adapted that. <laughs> I'll mess it up. I got to do it. Um, how do you decide on like what shaft to switch to? Because your iron set is different than your wedge set. You know, what do you, what are you kind of looking for yeah. feel wise from the wedges versus the irons that cause you to switch entirely different shafts? Yeah, I, I played the S4 in the in the in the wedges for a long time. I like the a little bit softer, so you got a little bit more feel, especially with like those, because it, it, it's rare that you hit like a, a flat out wedge, you know, like every now and then you might just like, you're trying to carry a bunker and you need the ball to stop quick. So like you'd rather hit a full, a full gappy as opposed to just like a chippy pitching wedge. Um, and then um, a, couple, a few years ago, I was, when I was with King, I felt my, my iron play was better than what my, what, my club was producing so we did some testing with some iron iron shafts and the kbs x130s have been fantastic what have you been working on in your uh, in your swing these days i know back in the day you're kind of the the poster boy for stack and tilt almost do you do you still kind of um use that method in your swing or what have you been working on lately now, there's a couple things like uh, um my swing is definitely a little bit more round like a little flatter like the stack and tilt uh, that definitely matches um, me very well. Um, been working with Butch Harmon the last uh, since August, um, so it's been good. He really kept things quite simple. Um, we just working a lot, a little bit on the on the weight um, with my sort of how my knees and ankles sort of work. Um, my tendency to keep the knees sort of too still instead of having the left knee come in a little bit on the backswing and the right knee moving like down the line and sort of getting closer to my left left leg. 
So because my bad is where if my I hang back on the ball and have too much weight on my back foot at impact. So if I have the knee and the ankle sort of moving towards the the target, then there's no way to keep the weight on that back leg. The weight has to move forward to that left that left foot, mm-hmm. which just allows to keep me the, to keep the face a little stable. I feel like Butch Harmon is one of those like bucket list for golfers where it's like I would love to get a lesson with with Butch. You know, that's kind of one of the guys. What's it been like working with Butch, and um, what have you learned from him? He's great. Is this like like I said, he's, he's, he keeps things simple. Um, I think one thing that he's been he's great at is he can sort of look at a look at your swing and sort of figure out like your sort of root causes or like your things that are going to be the most important to to fix or to change, and that's going to bring you the most fruit from your golf swing. Like it could be, if you look at all these players, there's certain swings that they're, they're not. None of them are the same, and there's even some positions you're like, man, that's not that's not even like the best position to be in. But mm-hmm. Butch knows that that works for that guy, you know, and he just gives them a couple other things that are going to be more productive to work on and get more results from from your work. And I think that's what he's really, really good at. And he's got a and he's, like I said, the little the eye for his, the little things it was was impressive. Like like I said, the little things about like my knees, like. Having the left knee come in just a little bit allowed my hips to turn that turn that little bit more. My shoulder turns just that little bit more. So it just gives you more more freedom in in, in the goal swing. So it's been it's been been pretty impressive. So this is a uh, a gear focused podcast. We talk a lot about putter fitting, um, and you're one of the best putters on the PGA Tour the last 25 years, pretty much year in and year out. Um, What's that kind of putter fitting process for you these days? To me, the number one thing is aiming the putter face. That's that's key. Like uh, if you can't aim, if you don't aim the putter face where you want to hit it, it makes it very difficult to start the ball where you want. And by aiming the putter face where you need it to be, allows you to get good feedback too. Because mm-hmm. if the putter face is aiming straight at the hole from five feet. And you miss miss it to the right. You've obviously pushed it. Um, where like if you can't aim the face, and you think it's straight, but your putter face is aiming left edge, and you miss it on the left, like you actually made a nice stroke. You just you couldn't aim it. Mm-hmm. So to me, the number one is that um, is aiming the putter face, and then from there is just personal like the length of putter, the weight of putter. Um, my putter's quite light. I used a Scotty Cameron Art of Putting for a long time, mm-hmm. weighs about 325, 26 grams, and uh, and uh, so it's quite light. So um, I actually had Alex like grind and drill out some weight of my putter um, on my. I use an Odyssey, um, Odyssey number seven, uh, and the offset is very very low, about an eighth of a shaft offset. So it's quite small offset and because it's lighter it it uh, allows my the cadence of my stroke to be better if i get up in the 330 340 grams my back stroke gets too long and i feel like i can't control the putter head where when it's lighter i usually have a shorter shorter back backswing a little bit longer follow through um, and it allows me to control the putter head and i can putt better that way how do you feel like you control the stroke like 
Is it your hands? Do you think of a pendulum? Your shoulders? Like, how do you approach putting? I just putt, try and hold it. Um, <laughs> I like it. I mean, it sounds, Don't overthink it. It sounds funny. Like, so it sounds funny, but it's like, it's a little bit like you having, throwing a ball to first base. Like, mm-hmm. when you pick it up at, at shortstop, you're not thinking of how to plant your feet. You're not thinking of what position my elbow needs to be in or when I'm going to release it, like, do I throw it with my shoulder or do I throw it with my left hip rotating out of the way? Like, what do I do? Like, you just sort of look at where you want and putt. So for me, I have a couple of checklists, like obviously putter face aiming, making sure that I'm aiming where I want it to be, making sure my setup, my distance from the ball is consistent. Um, I know, so I have a measurement that I use for that. I just use the putter head actually. Like, so when I stand over it, I'll just measure three and a half putter heads and that should be my toe line. So mm. I know it my distance from the ball. Um, I mean, you, when you really think about it, like sometimes your, your putter swing, you know, your putting stroke, your putter swing is, is really, can be like six inches, five inches on the backswing. And mm. you have no time to make adjustments where like in the full swing, you set up can be a bit funky and, you can you have time because the swing is much longer to make adjustments. Where in putting you don't have that time. So if you can set up consistently in the same spot, aim the putter face well, then from there now it's just about holding the putt and just learning how to where the ball is going to go into the hole. Mm-hmm. I mean that's sort of I think like speed wise, my thoughts. Are, I want the ball to if it's a downhill quick putt. My thought is the ball is going to go into the hole just falling over the front edge. And I react to that as opposed to thinking, this is a fast putt. I need to hit it soft. It's right, The ball is going to go in the hole just falling in, and you react to that. Or if I have an uphill putt from like 5, 6, 7, 8, 12, 20 feet, and it's slow, I'm like, I'm going to hit the back of the cup. And you just naturally react to that and hit it firmer because you're trying to hit the back of the cup. Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking I have to hit it this hard. Like you, I'm trying to think less on the putting green than thinking more. Such like a positive approach to like it. to putting that, that frees you up. I feel like a lot of us, we get so locked and you know, we're fearful of three putting. We're fearful of looking stupid, missing a three footer. And yeah. you're thinking about it's, it. More it's, more, it's more reactive. Yeah. It's more mm-hmm. reactive. Like if you, you stand on a putting, I mean, anybody who's, who's listening, like you go on, go to like a, a four or five footer that has a little bit of slope, whether it's left to right or right to left and put down three balls and hit three balls at three different speeds. And you're going to hit a putt that's outside right edge, a putt that's a cup outside and a putt that's two cups outside and they all go in. So there's no like one special line that makes the putt go in. It's just knowing if I hit this putt a certain speed, it's going to break more. If mm-hmm. I hit this putt at a firmer speed, it's going to break less. So you don't need to be perfect. You just need to just to marry up how you how you the speed that you want the putt to go in and and how hard you're going to hit it. Hmm. Your like your mindset really matches up with like your routine too, because you're you kind of get set one look and then go. It's not double yeah, look. It's not go. triple look. There's like no room for doubt. You're just you know what's going to happen. You're you're positive and you're just putting yourself right into the vision you have of the putt. That's exactly. Mm. Yeah. And then, and like when I practice, I do like the tees around the hole and, um, 
my first coach, Dale Lynch, was great at instilling in like full routine. Make sure you do your full routine when you do these drills. So then on the course, it becomes just automatic. Um, so under pressure, it's the same speed, same cadence. And I mean, I couldn't, I mean, there's been thousands of times where I've had a putt like three feet, five feet, six feet, and be like, this is easy. This is just like the drill. That's what I, literally, what I, literally what I say to myself. And because if you do the drill so many times and you just say, this is easy, just like the drill. And it gives you that sense of peace and confidence. Like, oh yeah, just like the drill. Automatic, you know, just that it gives you that positive reinforcement of like, I've done this so many times. Like, just, just putt. There's so many of the, the mini tour players and the younger guys coming up that could listen to that and just free their mind up just with what you said there. I mean, the last couple minutes just talking about putting, there's so many guys out there that get so analytical and so into their own mm -hmm. head about just what can they break down with numbers on the putting green and how he just explained his approach. Awesome. It's one of the best putting lessons yeah. I've ever gotten. Love that. Has, yeah, Bo has Butch done anything with your putting since you've been working together? Yeah. Yeah, he gave me one drill, which I absolutely love. We got a uh, – and this sort of got me to go move to this number seven putter with the less offset. Was um, he, he went and got a ruler. It was like 15 inches long. And we put it down from like, I don't know, 10 feet. And so we put it down – had to putt down the ruler. And it really gave me a great visual of just the start line, of just to putt it down the ruler. And when I stood over it the first time, I was like, well, this ruler does, this looks odd, you know? And I wasn't putting all that well. I was like, Butch, I need help. Like, you need to look at my putting. So we put it down. I was like, man, that looks odd. So I was like, I felt like I was aiming, um, I felt like the ruler was aiming left. And I was sort of, so I was aiming to the right. So obviously my putter face was closed to, to my body so I was aiming too far to the right with my body so when I sort of got back to normal like I felt like every, my body was way open so um so I've done some testing with my my offset so my offset on my putters only like I said an eighth of a shaft and I aim that thing dead on every time and that allows me just and my, so my aiming is great and um yeah so he gave me that one drill and I love it like I still do I'll do it I have like a, I have an 18 inch ruler in my, in my bag that I keep just to just get get four or five ten feet and cut down the ruler. It's like the cheapest training aid ever. Ever, you know, we can yeah. we can all get that. Exactly. I think it's I like, think anyone who listens to this right now, we're all going to Walgreens and picking up some rulers. Yeah, just make sure it's at least like 15 inches. 12 can be a touch short, so you don't get it as good of feedback. But like that 15, 18 inches, get it. Yeah. Yeah, Office Depot, whatever it's called. They used to have good ones. <laughs> have you uh, – I got to ask you about this one because this is one of the, the coolest putters in my opinion. You had a Dr. V special, the Yar putter, which had oh, zero yeah, yeah. MOI back in the day. Can you kind of tell that story uh, real quick? Yeah, um, she came out. She was good friends with Gary McCord, and just, they came out to Whisper Rock, and I was talking to her, and I um, she brought her putter out, and – um, man, like I found it nice with it. So I was like, I'm putting this thing in play. And uh, so at Charlotte one year, I put it in, and I think I had like six one putts in the first seven holes. And I was playing with DA points, and DA points was like, man, I gotta get me one of those. <laughs> so, but the funny thing was about those putters too. Like 
obviously you could if when the ball was in the hole you could it was small enough to fit inside the hole and you could pick the ball out of the hole yeah yeah she sort of designed it a little bit for like the wounded warriors who couldn't bend over to pick the ball out of the hole they could just like mm-hmm. grab it out and so there's the last hole of the tournament i'm playing with uh, jimmy walker and i make like a 30 footer on the last green and i walk up with the putter and pull it out with the putter <laughs> yeah so was, we, we all had a good old chuckle. That the scooper in like a PGA Tour event. You don't see that a lot usually. Uh, yeah. That's just exactly. the muni at home. Um, well, yeah. Aaron, this has been so much fun. We learned a lot. I think we're all better putters because of because of this conversation. Um, yeah. I really appreciate the time. Uh, play well at the at the Valspar this week, man. Cheers. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Bats. And that'll do it for episode 89. If you want more from us, hit us up on social media, on Twitter, where at fully underscore equipped on Instagram. We're at fully equipped golf. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.